to praise God. Were you guys ready for the word this morning? Let's go ahead and pray as we come to it. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that, that you are still speaking to us today through your word, that your word is, is, is relevant now as it ever was, Father, and it's going to continue being relevant throughout the end of, of, of all days, Father. And Lord, I thank you this morning that as we study your word, Lord, that uh, we would just have revelation. And Lord, that we would grow, that we would learn, and that we would just continue to mature in our faith. So we thank you for that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to go ahead and continue on in our series of who we are as a church. And today, what we're going to focus on is that we are a people who are filled with the Spirit. If you don't know, we're a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believe the gifts of the Spirit are still for today. And uh, we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a look at what the Word says about the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit is something that is subsequent to salvation. So, and we're going to look at that. When you, when, when you get saved at that moment, you receive the Holy Spirit and you are saved at that moment. But subsequent to that salvation, subsequent to receiving the Holy Spirit, there, there is an opportunity to be filled with or to have the Holy Spirit come upon you, and that is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, and the truth is, is that uh, uh, an easy way to remember it is, is a thing like this, is salvation is the Holy Spirit in you, but the baptism of the Spirit is the Holy Spirit on you or working through you. And some refer to it as being filled with the Spirit, and some refer to it as being baptized in the Spirit. Typically, when people are talking about it, they mean the same thing. And uh, so today we're going to look at a few things. One, we're going to look what exactly is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Then we're going to look at how do we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to look a little bit of what's the evidence for being baptized in the Holy Spirit. In other words, how do you know you've been filled with the Spirit? Um, we're going to look at what is the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because that's important. God just doesn't do anything willy-nilly. He has a reason for the things that he does. And uh, the, the truth is, is that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit or we have the Holy Spirit come upon us, then, then, we, then we receive and may operate in a variety of gifts from the Holy Spirit to edify and build up the church. And there was once a time in church history not too long ago where it seemed like the, um, the gifts were relegated for the person that was up on stage, and uh, it, it, it was never supposed to be like that, but that's just kind of how things were. It was the guy that was on stage that would operate in the gift of, of healing, or he would, he would have a, a word of prophecy or a word of wisdom for somebody. It was always the guy on stage. But the truth is, is that I don't believe that that's what God is looking for, is to have a few people that stand up on stage operating in the gifts of the Holy, of the, of the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not just for figureheads but they're actually for the entire church. The gifts are for the church. They're to give us power to do the things that God has called us to do. They're there to make us effective. And the truth is, is that we're going to look at today, we're actually supposed to desire these gifts. And as a church, it's one of the things that we pray regularly, especially on Sunday morning for churches, that, that, that the Holy Spirit would just have his way in the church and that people would operate in the gifts. You know, and the problem is, is, is I think uh, many times that, that we're, we're hindered because we're afraid. God gives you something to say, but nobody wants to get up here and grab a mic and tell the church what God has to say. Have you not other people? Do I have to use a mic? Well, yeah, we stream it. If you don't use a mic, then, then what if God's trying to speak to somebody who's watching it online and now they can't hear it? So if God gives you a, a, a word of, of knowledge or a word of wisdom or, 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 or prophecy or something that, that, that you're supposed to share with the church, then... 
then you need to do it. One of the things we're going to look at is the whole idea of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is, is it's not like uh, you get possessed by the Spirit and He takes over all of your actions. You're not some sort of holy marionette where God's controlling. You still have to do those things. If God gives you a prophetic word, you still have to speak. In order to, to, to speak in tongues, you have to open your mouth and make the, make the, 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 the sounds that come out. If God gives you a, uh, uh, the, the gift of faith, that's one of the, the gifts that we'll look at or that, that is mentioned, that, you still got to step out in it. It's not something you hold on to. If God gives you the gift of generosity, you've got to open your wallet. It doesn't just happen on its own. You still have to walk these things out, even though the, the Spirit is who's giving them to you. Amen? 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says this. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to the another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. That's a pretty big list. I think there's nine of them there. And it's not even exhaustive. In Romans 12, 6 through 8, it says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's the key thing. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does of acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So we see that we have all of these different gifts that are made available by the Holy Spirit, and, and it's likely that this isn't the entire list either. But these are the ones that we know about. These are the ones that we'll definitely teach about. We always want to be careful. I'm not saying that God won't have other gifts or empower us in other gifts, but we, I think we do need to be careful by, by claiming that everything that happens is a gift of God because we can get ourselves down a bad rabbit hole. There was once a story about a, uh, uh, there was a conference and the Holy Spirit just showed up and the, the whole place just was overcome with laughter. The whole place. And uh, they believed that that was a move of the Spirit. And, and I, I believe so as well. I think God can move in any way that he wants to move. I'm not going to tell him how he can or can't move. The problem is, is that particularly the stuff we don't have backed up with the Word when we try to manufacture that later. So we always have to be careful with this stuff. We don't want to manufacture these things, but we do want to let the Holy Spirit work through us. Amen? Hallelujah. <clears throat> So one of the things that we're going to notice about these gifts is they're always for the common good of the church. They're for building up the church. They're not for building up you. That's the key. We always want to remember that, that the gifts of the Spirit are for building up the church. They're not to make you look better. They're to make God look good. They're to glorify God. Amen. And the other thing is, is that not every single person is not going to operate in every single gift. And that doesn't mean that one person is better than the other. Somebody that operates in a gift of service, which is one of those we just read about in, in the book of Romans, you know, those are the ones, the people that are here, in, that they serve day in and day out. 
That's, it's the, the people that, that serve under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit and under the power of the Holy Spirit and do all the stuff that nobody else wants to do. They're in it. They're always doing it. And they're never on the line. They're never on stage. They're never in the limelight. And then you have somebody that maybe has the gift of prophecy or the gift of healing. You know, and, and everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants to see miracles, the gift of miracles. We all want to see that. But just because you have one gift and not another gift or you aren't, or aren't operating in one or the other doesn't mean that, you, that that person is better or more spiritual or that God loves them more. The truth is, is that the operating of the gifts of the Spirit are all about God and not about you. Amen. They're not a reflection of you, but rather a reflection of God in you. And they're God's powers working through us. So one of the things that Paul says here is he says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And for a long time, I'd always heard that God gives everybody one gift. And uh, uh, the truth is, is that God gives everyone the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, but it doesn't mean you just get one gift. I think that people operate in many gifts, or can operate in many gifts. And, and the truth is, is that you'll operate in some sometimes, and then not another time. But the reality is, is that, that the, the, the Spirit of God moving in us is, is about what God wants to do through us. If you have an opportunity for God to heal someone through you, and you're open to it, that's the thing. You still have to be, allow God to work through you. I think that people seem strange, like, what do you mean allow God to work through you? The truth is, is that you can limit God's ability to work in your life. We talked about that, I think, not too long ago, unbelief being the enemy of faith. If you don't believe God can use you, guess what? You're right. But if you believe God can use you, guess what? You're still right. God will work through you. And I believe that each and every one of us can operate in each and every one of the gifts if we would just make ourselves available and walk in faith and be available for God to use you. And the truth is, as the Bible says, that we're supposed to desire these gifts. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 31 says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, the big ones, right? He says, you know, earnestly desire those things. And then in John 20, 19 through 22, where we've talked about these are the gifts and, uh, and the idea of, of what they are, and this idea that we're supposed to desire them. The next question is, well, then, then how do we get them? What is this baptism of the Holy Spirit? So I want to walk through what the baptism of the Holy Spirit actually is. So if we read John 20, 19 through 22, it says, On the evening of that final day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. So when this happened, this is after Jesus is crucified. He's already given his life. He's already paid the penalty for sin. And the reason I'm pointing this out is I want to show you the difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit versus salvation. When Jesus breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit right here, this is right after he was crucified. He, just, he had just uh, shown himself. This is salvation. This is them receiving the Holy Spirit for salvation. Just like God breathed life into Adam, Jesus is now doing the same thing. He breathed life back into the disciples. He was brand new 
when God breathed life into Adam and now when Jesus breathes on us and we receive the Holy Spirit, we're made brand new as well. We're actually restored to that same position that Adam had with no sin, with no past, with no baggage. We are set free and we are made brand new and that is salvation. That's what this event happened right here. But we're going to see a later event where Jesus talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 1, 3 through 5, it says, He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And here we're starting to see the difference between receiving the Holy Spirit for salvation and having the Holy Spirit come upon you that you would be baptized. Jesus right here is speaking of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, this is a, and, and he's speaking of a time that he, after he actually breathed on them. Because here's the thing. When Jesus is talking about this, he's already breathed on them, right? He, he, has, he has been resurrected from the dead, but he hasn't yet ascended to the Father. This is in that 40 days that he's walking the earth. He's seeing the disciples, talking to the apostles. He's doing all those things. He breathes on them. He, they receive the Holy Spirit. They are at that moment saved. But he's talking about a time in the future when they'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And this happens after he ascends. He says in a few days from now, you're going to receive power. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And this is after he ascends to heaven. So it's impossible for this baptism of the Holy Spirit to be the same as the reception of the Holy Spirit when he breathed on him. Because it's at completely different times. As a matter of fact, one is while he was resurrected, but before he ascended. The other is after he ascended. Anybody want to know why it had to happen after he ascended? Because it's better for us for him to go so that he can send the helper. The Holy Spirit came. And that's actually the, the, the promise that he's talking about. This, he says this, this promise that they're going to wait for, the promise of the Father he spoke of earlier in Luke 24, 49. Says, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then here's the event. This is what it looks like. In Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. This is what Jesus was talking about. In a few days, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's some cool things that happen here. If you guys don't know this, this is the same day that the law was given. Now God has given the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And like I said, these, these men were already saved because Jesus had breathed on them. And now, uh, and they had already received the Holy Spirit, but now the Holy Spirit is coming upon them. And it says the tongues of fire rested upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if they'd already received the Holy Spirit, how could they be filled with the Holy Spirit? It's obvious it's two different things. 
So there's the Holy Spirit in you, which is salvation, but the Holy Spirit on you or being filled or being whelmed. That's what baptism is, being whelmed. If you think about it, when we baptize people in water, we completely put them in the water. Well, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're completely whelmed in the Holy Spirit. He's coming upon you. And when that happened, they were completely filled and they began to speak in other tongues and prophesy. But you're going to find what's interesting to me is it says they're filled. And then later on, it's going to say they were filled. And then later on, it'll say they were filled again. They're continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. This event happens more than once. The joke has been made that we leak. So we have to be keep being filled again. And then here in this case, they begin speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. Something that's important to notice here is they spoke but the Holy Spirit gave them words. Remember what I talked about when you're going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit? You actually have to do something. So if, if you're going to operate in the gift of speaking in tongues, you actually have to move your mouth and speak, and the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. This is why that we have to do those things. If God gives you a, a, a prophecy, a prophetic word for the church, it'll never benefit the church unless you actually share it with them. If God gives you a word of wisdom for somebody, it'll never benefit that person unless you actually speak it to them. You have to do the thing. And the Holy Spirit will empower you to do the thing. Amen? This is so important because the Holy Spirit's not going to do it for you. God is never going to make anybody do anything they don't want to do. Just like he didn't make you get saved. He was He was. For those who, who don't wish to be saved, God acquiesces. He is a perfect gentleman. And the same is true after you are saved. You know, one of the things that I've seen is when people get prayed, anybody ever seen somebody get prayed for? And, and I've, I've heard the expression slain in the spirit. I think it's the dumbest expression, but that's what they call it. They mean slain in the spirit. Have you ever seen that happen? Has anybody ever had it happen to you? Someone's prayed for you and you've just went down. It's one of those things, when I was younger in the church, because I thought all that stuff was weird, and, and the truth be told, many of the stuff of the Spirit is kind of weird. But it doesn't matter because it's scriptural, and it doesn't matter if we think it's weird or not. But I, I remember in the beginning when, when I, like, I'm like, I'm not going to fall. This is, I'm not going to let that. And you know what happened? Never once did it happen to me. And then I remember the first time, because <laughs> I'm arguing with God. I don't know if you guys argue with God. I do from time to time. And I, I'm, I'm going up to get prayed for, and he's like, dude, just quit fighting. Just let it go. And the first time, I'm like, you know what? Whatever you want to do, God. And next thing you know, I was on my back. And the thing is, 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 is slain in the Spirit sounds silly to me, or, or falling out, whatever. All I know is this. When the Spirit of God touched me, my legs stopped working. You know what happens when your legs stop working? You fall over. I think it's simple as that. I don't think our bodies are equipped to be touched by the power of God, at least as they are right now. We're going to get a resurrected body someday. I'm sure that one will do a lot better. But the truth is, is that our bodies now, I don't think are equipped to handle a touch from God. So when you get touched from God like that, parts just stop working. And that's the best way for me to, to describe it. And that's what happened to me. But it wasn't until I finally stopped telling God what he could and couldn't do in my life that was God able to move in my life and there was breakthroughs that happened at that moment. The same is true for operating the Holy Spirit. If you have it in your head that these things are weird or that, that uh, the Holy Spirit can't do, you know, the supernatural stuff, it just doesn't happen because you know, science says otherwise or whatever you want to do. If you have those mentalities in your head, 
then the truth is, is those things aren't going to operate in your life because you're, you're just not operating in faith in those areas. And you're telling God it can't happen. And you know what? He's not going to force you to do anything. But the truth is, is I believe that you're missing out when you're not open to allow God to do what he wants to do. So anyway, at this event, Holy Spirit comes upon them, fires comes upon them, they begin speaking in other tongues. And afterwards, Peter has to rebut all the accusations and all the stuff that they're saying about him. And this is what Peter says after this happens. He says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You know why men see visions and the old men dream dreams? The old men are always sleeping. (laughs) Your young men will see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord who shall be saved, or shall be saved. And this is actually Peter's rebuttal to a crowd that were calling them out for being drunk and crazy because they were speaking in tongues. You know, one of the things I talk about, and it's particularly the, when you're talking about the gifts of the Spirit with different denominations who are don't, do or don't believe in them, the gifts of tongues seems to be the one that hangs everybody up because it's weird. And the truth is, is it is a little bit. When you hear somebody speaking in tongues, you don't understand what it says. Matter of fact, the Bible addresses that. You're not supposed to understand what it says, but it seems weird. So that's what's happening here, right? They're beginning to speak in tongues, and some people are hearing them speak in their own language. Now, a lot of people say, oh, no, they were speaking in that person's language. I don't believe they were. One, because they were, they were speaking once in multiple different uh, home languages. They were understanding them in their language. And two, if they were just speaking in regular languages, why would a subset of this group say, listen to them, they're drunk, because they're talking all weird. They were speaking in tongues, and the people were hearing them in their native languages. And Peter says, listen, we're not drunk. It's only 9 a.m. This is what's happening. It's just like Joel spoke of it. God prophesied that this would happen. And Joel was written somewhere between 1900 B.C. and 400 B.C. So at a minimum, you know, worst case, God said that this was going to happen 430 some odd years before it happened. Up to 1930 some odd years before it happened. God said, you know what? This is going to happen. It was prophesied that it was going to happen. And by his power, many things would take place. Prophecy, visions, dreams, and signs. And then he goes on to declare that these things are going to come and it's going to actually demonstrate that salvation is for everybody, not just for a few. So the purpose of these gifts, truthfully, is to empower us to be more effective at reaching the lost. The, the, the gifts are, are to give the church power to build, up the, to build up the church so that they can do the things that God wants it to do, which is reach the lost. Amen? So that's the thing as we talk about what is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I hope I explained that it's different than, than salvation through Scripture. You know, it's really easy for me to come up here and say these things, but I want to show you through the Word these things, why it says this. <laughs> 
And then the next thing we need to talk about is, well, then, then how, do we, how do we get this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And uh, how many of you guys will be happy to hear that it's actually a very simple process? This is what Luke 11, 11 through 13 says. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? So I'm going to lay down the process. It's a two-step process to get the Holy Spirit. First, you have to get saved. Step one. Once you're saved, now write this down. It might be hard to remember. You just ask him. It's that simple. You ask him, and then you begin to operate in those gifts as he gives them to you. And you do that in faith. There's a lot of dominations that don't believe in the gift of the Spirit, and I was talking to one uh, a couple years ago, and, and uh, he's actually starting to change because they have churches that are operating in, um, uh, with Muslim, in Muslim countries. And, and he said, you know, I'm starting to, to wonder about this stuff because we're hearing stories of Muslims getting saved where Jesus will just show up in their dreams and begin to speak to them. And then they'll come out speaking in tongues and get saved. They were previously Muslims, and they'll leave, the, they'll leave all that behind. And he's like, you know, I'm starting to wonder, you know, obviously some of this stuff is still happening today. All the gifts of the Spirit can't be just for back then because we're starting to see them today. And he says, so, so when you're talking in tongues, how do you know that you, what you're doing? And I said, I do it in faith. And he goes, no one's ever answered me that when I've asked this question. Well, I don't know any other way to do it. <laughs> like, you know, the truth is the Bible says that uh, whatever you don't do in faith is sin. So if you do it in faith, though, we're supposed to do everything in faith. That's how we please God. So I, why do I speak in tongues? Why do I begin moving my mouth and trust that the Holy Spirit is moving? Because that's what the Word says to do. And I'm going to be faithful to that. And same thing, when God gives me something to share with the church and, and uh um, now, I, I want us all to begin praying that it would happen more often and be more available, but, but I've, I've given words to the church or to individual people when God is speaking to me. And uh, one of the things that I want to be praying for more in my life, and I would pray that you do the same, is that, that you would operate in those gifts and that God would give them to you. You know, and we'll, we'll talk to it a little bit later about tongues and, and the importance of tongues. And, and, but for the most part, tongues is a personal thing. It's about edifying yourself, even your spirit, and it's a personal thing. But the truth is, is that we should be asking God for the greater gifts like prophecy, words of wisdom, knowledge, all of those things so that we can edify the church and not just our own spirit, amen, and build them up. But if, if we'll ask for them, God will give them. Because here's the thing, what, what makes a good father? They're loving, they're reliable, they're honest, they provide, they discipline. Nobody likes that one, but a good father disciplines. And he provides all that you need. And what makes a bad father? Well, it's the opposite of those things, right? They don't provide, they don't do anything for you. So when we ask God for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit, he's faithful. He's a good father and he's going to He's not going to hold back these gifts from you if you ask him in faith. And remember that Paul told us to seek these gifts, even the greater gifts. <clears throat> Acts 2.38-39 says, Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. This gift of the Holy Spirit, and that's what it is, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a gift, is available to everyone. The promise is for who? For you and for your children and for all who are far off. This promise, this gift, is for each and every one of us. Amen? So one, it's for everyone. And in Acts eleven fifteen through 7, it says, Peter, sorry, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as on us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And we talked about this gift being for everyone. And this is when the, the church finally started to realize it. In the beginning, they were thinking salvation was just for the Jews, but then God had to open their eyes, right? And if you all know the story, Peter had the vision of the, of, the, of the sheet coming down and God says, get up and eat, and it was full of unclean things. And God was making a point that, listen, whatever I call clean is clean. And then Peter shows up and he sees this happen. They were getting the same gift after they were saved of being filled with the Spirit. And he's in defense of why he's, he's having to defend himself to the other uh, apostles and, and the other uh, brethren in Jerusalem at the time, defending why he's in the house of Cornelius, which is a Roman soldier and a Gentile. And guys, God told me to do it. And then I saw them being filled with the Spirit. The same thing happened to them. And I began to realize that, you know what? This gift is for everyone. And I think this also highlights one more thing is, is what happens. It says... Uh, I remember the word of the Lord. I said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? Remember I told you the, uh, the, the two-step process? You have to believe, and then you ask for the gift. First, it was after they, they believed. He says, we, we believed, and then we received the same gift. So that's the key. You have to believe but then you can be filled. And it's subsequent to salvation, like I said. Salvation first, and then being filled with the Spirit. And then we also have this other idea of the Holy Spirit coming upon them. It's a different idea, being filled or coming upon or whelmed. It says uh, in Acts 11, 15 through 17, it says, as I begin to, uh, sorry, my clicker is not clicking as faithfully as I would like. Acts 19.6, when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and then they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Once again, they were already saved. Paul lays hands on them, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And there's also an interesting thing here is this idea of laying of hands. And the truth is, the laying of hands is, is kind of a, a point to release faith. It's an opportunity for, for you to encourage somebody else to express their faith. And at that moment of laying in hands, they're able to express their faith. And, do, and, and at that moment, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues. And as soon as the Holy Spirit is received, that he comes upon you, that's when the gifts can be manifest in your life. Amen? And in Acts 8, 14 through 17, it says, well, when Paul was... About to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime with Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint, but since it is a matter of question about words and names in your own law, see it. That's not the right one here. Oh, that's Acts 18, 14 through 17, not Acts 8. 
Let me read it from, my, from my, my notes here. That's the wrong slide. It says Acts 8, 14 through 17. Now when the apostle Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, on any of them only, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Once again, just more evidence of this idea that, that you can believe and be saved and not be baptized, and that it is a subsequent idea. Philip had been preaching in Samaria, and many had already believed and been baptized. They'd been baptized and expressed their faith. They had received salvation. But when Peter and John got there, they hadn't heard of this baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we find out that they lay hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit after they'd been saved. So a couple things to point out, just to reiterate, baptism of the Holy Spirit is subsequent to salvation. You receive the Holy Spirit to be saved. The Holy Spirit comes upon you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And <clears throat> two, one thing that we're going to notice when this happens as well, and, and I'll point it out in a few moments, but right after this happens, it says, Simon saw that the laying of hands, you remember Simon the magician that was running around in this area at the time, he says he saw that the laying of hands resulted in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Keep that in mind because it's something that's important. How do you see the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because we certainly don't see uh, like a glowy aura come down or something happen like that, right? So there has to be some sort of evidence of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, 44 through 47. It says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard. And believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles? For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people as we these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So Peter speaking to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel to them, they believe and become saved. Then the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And these are, are, are circumcised, these are Jewish believers. How do they know that they were baptized in the Spirit? So these were Gentile believers. How do they know that they were baptized in the Spirit? How did they know, that, and how did God prove that they were accepted? And it was this idea that they began speaking in tongues. That was the evidence to the early church. And one of the other scriptures we just read a second ago says they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. Two gifts of the Spirit. They were, they were operating in these gifts. And they were, that was the evidence that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. It proved to them that God had accepted them. The Gentiles were unclean and couldn't be saved as far as they were concerned. The Jewish believers that, that, that Peter uh, was telling this about, talking to them, saying, can we, can we withhold water baptizing to them? They hadn't seen Peter's vision. Only, only Peter had seen it. So now they're seeing this as evidence. The, the Holy Spirit is falling upon them. So one of the things that, that, that we believe in this church and that, that I'll talk about is, is speaking in tongues, praying in tongues, is one of the evidences of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I've had somebody ask me, why is it that you make such a big deal about talking in tongues and you don't talk about um, some of the other gifts as often? 
And that got me thinking. And the truth is, if anybody ever has a question like that, or you're wondering why I preach certain things, or many times I found that I'm preaching something and somebody hears something different than I'm intending to preach, so it's good to, it's okay to ask me these things. Matter of fact, it's good. It helps me think about them. It helps me actually sit down and go, well, why is it that I actually do this? So I took some time and was beginning to look at that. Why do I do this stuff? And, t- and I took a deeper look. And the truth is, is because when you, I just took the English Standard Version Bible and I did a quick search for, for the word tongues. And then I eliminated all the ones that, that didn't have to do with the gift of tongues. And so the gift of tongues is mentioned over 30 times in the New Testament. In comparison, the word of wisdom specifically mentioned is mentioned once. And that's when it lists the gift. <laughs> Same with the gift of healing. It's mentioned once. Now, these things, you can look at different stories and you can, you can surmise that those gifts are being used. But the gift of tongues specifically is mentioned over 30 times. The next closest is the gift of prophecy and, and people prophesying in the New Testament. And that one's spoken of uh, a little over 25 times. So the gift of tongues is the gift that's spoken of most in the New Testament. And that's probably why I talk about it because it's almost always shown in the New Testament is evidence of being filled with the Spirit. Right here, how do they know they're filled with the Spirit? They begin to speak in other tongues. On the, the day of Pentecost, how do they know they're filled with the Spirit? They begin speaking in other tongues. And I believe that that's not the two different types of tongues. As a matter of fact, when it lists the gifts, it says there are various types of tongues. And there's at least three that we can identify from the scriptures. There's the one where you're speaking in tongues and people are hearing you in their language. That's used for communication to unbelievers. Um, I've I've heard stories of that happening. I've never personally experienced it, um, but I have heard of it happening. And obviously we have the the account in the the New Testament, in the book of Acts. There's also public speaking of tongues. And that's where God would give you uh, a tongue that you would come share with the church. Now, that actually became a problem in the early church. You read about that in 1 Corinthians because everybody had a tongue and they'd come up and they would share it to the church, but nobody was being edified because you have no idea what they're saying. So that's why Paul has to deal with that. He says, listen, if you're going to speak in tongues and address the church, no more than three people a service, and somebody has to interpret those tongues. So now you're looking, you have two gifts that work together, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. And then... There is the, 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 some refer to it as a prayer language or just praying in tongues. And that's your personal prayer time. And I don't believe that doesn't mean you can't pray in the church in tongues. You just can't address the church in tongues without an interpreter. But there's that, that prayer in tongues. And those are the, the three types that we, we see addressed in the church or addressed in the, in the Old Testament. But... In nearly every case that somebody is baptized in the Spirit, we say that they are speaking in tongues. I just told you, remember that one where in Samaria, when uh, uh, Peter was in Samaria? It says, Simon saw evidence. How would he see it? How would he, saw, how would he see that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? It doesn't come out and say it, but based on all the other accounts, I would imagine they began speaking in tongues and, and prophesying. That's how we knew that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts 2.4 says, And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Acts 19.6, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. The reason why I talk about that is that seems to be, for lack of a better term, 
kind of a starter gift. It's, it's the, 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 it's not considered one of the greater gifts, right? Prophecy is one of the greater gifts. It's one of the, 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 the lesser gifts, but it is one that, that I believe is available to everyone. If you just ask, God will give you that gift of tongues that you can begin praying in it. And it's a brilliant gift because has anybody ever been praying and you run out of stuff to pray about? Just start praying in tongues. Spirit gives you the words to speak. It's actually brilliant too because then you know you're praying what you're supposed to be praying and stuff's getting taken care of. So the reason I talk about it so much is because one, it's the most mentioned gift in the, Old Test- the New Testament and also because I think it's, it's, a, it's a great gift to be operating regularly in your life. And that's the thing we talked about. Speaking in tongues or any of the spiritual gifts for that matter is not God supernaturally possessing your body but it's, it's you actually speaking while the Holy Spirit directs your words, and it's done by faith. And we know that we have to do it because the Scripture says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. What's that mean? That means that if you get a prophecy, say you're sitting in the middle of church, I'm up here preaching, God gives you a prophecy. What you're not supposed to do is jump up and blurt it out over the preacher preaching or get up and interrupt the worship service. Instead, because that spirit of prophecy is subject to you, you can wait a moment. If it happens in the middle of worship, just come up and tap me on the shoulder or Michelle and Sam with an, or Pastor Joseph and we'll get you a microphone that you can share, but you don't have to do it over everybody. You know, same with any of the gifts. You, you, we want to do them in order. You know, some of this stuff seems weird, but we're not trying to be crazy, amen? So, uh, but that's why I talk about that because I believe it's a gift that's available to everybody. Now the question is, if somebody doesn't speak in tongues, does that mean they're not filled with the Holy Spirit? I can't answer that question. If there's other evidence of them being filled, then surely God can fill them with the Spirit. But I, I think that what happens is, is people have such a, a weird idea of tongues. That that's, that's when we tell God, just like I said, you know what, God? You're not going to knock me over. So you know what, God? Tongues is weird. I'm not, we're not going to talk in tongues. I'll do other stuff. And maybe we let God move in one area and not another. But I would encourage you Ask God for that gift because it's a great way to pray, especially when you don't have anything else to say. Let the Holy Spirit, you know, I wonder if we're going to get in heaven and we're going to be able to understand some of that stuff and realize how much stuff was impacted by our prayer in the Spirit when we didn't even know what we were saying. We made a difference in someone's life. Amen. The next thing I want to point out that's super important is that we earnestly seek these gifts. And this is told to us over and over and that's a lot smaller than I thought it would be on the screen, so I'll just read it to you, and, and uh, you have to trust me is what it says. Write down the scripture, look it up yourself. 1 Corinthians 14, 39. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophecy and do not forbid speaking in tongues. This is always an interesting one to me for, for people today that believe that the gifts of spirit aren't for today and we shouldn't be doing them. The scripture says don't forbid speaking in tongues earnestly desire to prophesy, don't forbid speaking in tongues. So we're supposed to desire the gift of prophecy, not forbid speaking in tongues. 1 Corinthians 14.1, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritually gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The reason why he keeps mentioning prophecy over and over is when he talks about in 1 Corinthians is, is, is tongues, you edify the spirit, but you don't edify your mind because you don't understand it. If you speak to the church, in tongues and you don't have an interpreter which is why we're instructed not to without one is because all they hear is gibberish 
they're not edified. Your mind may have been edified when you spoke those words. Your spirit may have been edified, but your mind wasn't. But prophecy, it's in our normal language. If God gives you a word of prophecy, it's going to build you up. It's going to encourage and build the church up. So that's why Paul says, desire these things. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19, 20. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 15. Do not neglect, this is Paul talking to Timothy, one of his pastors. Do not neglect the gift which you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so they all may see your progress. The gifts that you have, it says we should be practicing these things and immersing ourselves in them. And then in 2 Timothy 1, 6, for this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of hands. We're supposed to, to operate in these things, to ask God for them, to fan the flame, to desire these gifts, not to glorify ourselves, but to glorify God and to build his church. And church, we are a people that, that believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And if, if you're, this is the first time you're hearing this and you're not... Uh, 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 or, or you weren't sure about this stuff, I hope the scriptures that I out is making it clear that these things are scriptural. Whether you think they're weird or not, whether you think they're odd, the truth is they're scriptural. And we need to stop letting our experience dictate what the Word of God says, but instead let the Word of God dictate our experience in our life. Amen? So we'll end here today. This is Acts 1.8. It says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the question is, are the gifts of the Spirit for today or were they just for the apostles? And I think the question that most easily answers this is, do we need power today? Because the, the commission is still the same, right? We're still to be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to all the end of the earth. Do we need power to do those things or can we do it on our own now all of a sudden? I don't know about you, but I need the Holy Spirit's power to do the things that God wants me to do. I can't do it on my own. I need Him. The Holy Spirit gives us power. And Christianity, without of it, is a shell of its true identity. You can be, and I believe that people are saved without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But I don't want to limit God's ability to work in and through me, amen? I want to be open to every avenue that God wants to work in my life. So the question is, if the gifts are to give us power and to edify the church, does the church still need, do we still need power and does the church still need edifying? I believe the answer to these is yes. I think that the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we are more effective at reaching the lost and encouraging one another. And it gives us what we don't have naturally in ourselves to accomplish the work that God has given us. So church, that's why we believe these things. And that's why we're a church that, that believes we're filled with the Spirit, that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that believes the gifts are still for today. And church, I would encourage you to pray alongside myself that you would be open to these things on a regular basis, on a more regular basis. The truth is, is that 
um, why we want to be orderly. It doesn't mean we don't ever want to see the gifts manifested in the church. And I hear people praying in tongues quite often, which is good. But I believe that God is speaking to us and wants to do more. God gave Mariana, uh, the Holy Spirit gave Mariana a word a few weeks ago and she came up and shared it. And I remember she was, she was nervous coming up. She didn't want to use the microphone, but she did anyway. She was obedient to God and the church was edified that day. So if the Holy Spirit is giving you a word, he's got something for you to share, a prophecy or, or a word of encouragement or any of those things, step out in that. Remember, he's not going to grab the back of your head and your jaw and do it for you. If God gives you a word, you're going to have to share it with us. But I would encourage you to do it. And if he's not giving you a word, begin to pray. Earnestly desire those gifts. Because I think that once we begin moving and operating in the Holy Spirit, we're going to see things change in this church. We're going to have what we need to do what God wants us to do. Amen? Amen. Let's go ahead and bow our heads.